Welcome to Women Waken, a holistic guide to wellness and abundant self-love, where we navigate healing, relationships, building self-confidence, and unconditional self-love and acceptance for an abundant life. I'm your host, Whitney Walker. I'm a licensed mental health therapist, and I specialize in substance abuse, addiction, eating disorders, trauma, and spirituality. What does childhood trauma look like when you're an adult? This child has to be a perfect child, or it has to, so that I can go and tell my friends also, oh, this is now going so well here. I almost think of trauma sometimes as like a wounded animal. It's like this thing that just needs to be cared for, and it doesn't matter who hurt it, it just matters that we attend to it, and we see it. On today's episode, I welcome a beloved friend of mine, Ingrid Christine Abild Peterson. Ingrid is a certified professional coach, the author of her memoir, Unmasked, a memoir of recovery from childhood trauma, eating disorders, and PTSD. Ingrid works with clients to help them break patterns and build leadership in their own lives. On this episode, we have a beautiful discussion around the nature of trauma, the connection between childhood trauma, physical symptoms, and mental health, which is why she wrote the book that she did, to shed light and share her experience of how physical ailments manifested in her body as a result of unresolved trauma from her childhood. Ingrid also shares about how she helps her clients identify trauma and to break these patterns and cycles that are keeping them stuck and unhappy and moving into the same place of freedom and joy in her life that she's found since doing her own work. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hello, Ingrid. Welcome to the Women Wicked podcast. Hi, Whitney. Thank you so much for having me here today. Yes. So excited that we finally have you on. This has been a long time coming. I know. I'm super excited. Yeah, it was perfect timing because this just arrived in the mail. A few days ago, for those who are listening and not watching, Ingrid just published her book, Unmasked, which is a triumphant memoir of recovery from childhood trauma, eating disorder, and PTSD. And it's a brilliant, beautiful book. Thank you. Well, thank you for writing a wonderful endorsement for it. Thank you so much, Whitney. Of course, I was happy to. And it's so fantastic because it's so real and raw and honest and very refreshing for those of us who have been through trauma or an eating disorder or anything else and have been in those places that you speak about in your book where you feel in that dark space, where you wonder, can I move past this? Can I, or how do I sit with this? Ingrid, you speak in your book about how your trauma eventually manifested physically. Yeah. And you didn't know that's what it was though at first. And so all you knew is that you were struggling and suffering and all these doctors couldn't diagnose it because it wasn't just medical, it was emotional. And that's a hard place to be in. It was. And That's why I wrote it, because I really wanted people to feel it. There are many books out there where it's like, this happened to me. And so, and 
this book is different because I didn't want to go there. It's not about what happened to me. It's more about when things has happened. If you experience some kind of trauma or abuse. And so how does that show up in a person? And this can show up in so many ways. This is just my way. But I really wanted, there are so many points in this because so many people are struggling and especially I see adults today and they have no idea. It's all trauma. And as you said, mine manifested as physical symptoms. I had no idea. But when I dealt with it, it disappeared. So today it's not there anymore. I am fine. I don't take any medication. And that's so remarkable and so important for people to hear, because I don't think a lot of people know that Mm -hmm. or realize that. That is when we have chronic conditions, we are encouraged and sort of believe that it must be just, it must just be a problem with whatever it is, right? That we're just experiencing this ailment. But I I heard recently, even scientifically, it's been shown that I think it was 80% of a lot of physical conditions are emotionally based. They're starting to be even in scientific studies that it's, it's amazing the power because emotions are energy and energies have energy, our bodies are energy. So it's going to have that effect on our, our body. So many so many people today, they don't listen to their body. They keep, they avoid it. They, they keep busy and they distract themselves in so many ways. And the body talks to you. And if you don't listen, it just talks louder and louder. It will come back and talk to you, right? So I, I think it's, it's so, so important we talk about this. Mm-hmm. Yes. And because so many people, myself included, way too often, just want that quick fix, Right. Yeah. They want skin issues or teeth issues, which I've had both have. You just want to go away. And yeah. unfortunately, it's usually a deeper issue. I'm still trying to figure out mine, but there's some beautiful books out there about that, about what is my body trying to tell me when I have these different issues in my body, when I have digestive issues or when I have nerve issues or whatever it is, it, it's related often to a certain emotional thing. And Again, it just, I think it just becomes problematic when people want to find the quick fix because then they're not getting to that root, right? It's, it's not a computer game where you just, okay, this is it, right? And I often, when I see clients and they say, oh, I stopped drinking, but I say, if you don't go to the root, what started the drinking, you'll start something else. You'll start numbing yourself in different ways, right? Through sex, through pills, whatever it is. Um, they need to learn to sit with it, go through the pain and just be comfortable with the uncomfortable, which is really, really hard when we live in a society when things are not working, we just throw it out. This is not working, I buy a new one. This is, you can't be happy all the time. You have to also, it's life. Life goes up and down and, and the periods where faces where we feel sad, where, we, where things are not really working for us, well, it's part of life. And instead of hiding from it, or instead of acting yourself, sit with it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And learn. There's an opportunity here. And that's what I want. I want to spread the news. Say, there are ways out. It, there's hope. You don't have to live with the pain, the emotional or physical pain. Yes. Because that's exactly what it is. Because to your point, when you're describing how 
when someone gets into a cycle of addiction, it's because they're trying to address or avoid their wound, right? So if you see it like this, think of this wound as like this pulsating thing within us, our trauma, our fears, our belief about ourselves that's negative, poor belief. We'll drink to numb it out. We'll have sex to try and like make it go away. Okay, maybe if I get enough approval or attention, that fear that I'm not good enough or not lovable will go away. But it stays there because it doesn't need any substance or any activity. It needs love, right? It needs to be seen. And I'm curious, Ingrid, about you, you talk about in your book, how at a certain point you realized that this, you had what myo, myo, the dystonia, dystonia, that it, you realized that it was about your trauma and you had flashbacks. So do you, are you able to identify how you're able to finally access those memories? Or do you think that, did you start kind of searching like, oh, maybe there's a deeper issue to this? So. In 2011, I had my first flashback and it was more like it was a fear and a feeling. I was like, what is going on? And, and I broke down. I, I, I broke down and went into PTSD treatment to have some help to go through the flat when I got them into, in a safe environment to go through what's really going on here. It was, it was difficult, but it was also, I was also in a support group and the more I talked about things and I kind of sat with it, learned to ground myself and and still feel safe. But it was a really, really hard time because I had no idea what was going on and uh, things that that came up, I wanted to share that and people didn't listen in my extended family. So it was like, it was, I felt very alone with this and I felt like, am I going crazy here? What's going on? But my body had talked and it had talked several years before gradually more and more and I didn't know what to listen for I didn't know what it was I I didn't know because I didn't remember so with the flashbacks it just showed suddenly it was like okay there's some other abuse you need to deal with that I hadn't remember any memories from so with that it came more and more clear what had happened and by going through it the pain feel it and and working on myself Uh, I guess I pushed through it and then it just disappeared so before that every day I woke up my left eye was hanging and I was numb in my left side I didn't know what it was and the doctors could only say oh it's when you fall asleep there are some spasms in the brain that starts and that's why it causes it but that wasn't really good enough for me I was like but why why does it happen and it was my body trying to protect myself. And it was clear, it was, there's more you need to deal with. Look at it, look at it. And when I did, it, it kind of just disappeared. So now I very rarely have a little bit of it, but then I know it's my body saying, okay, Ingrid, time to take care of yourself or time to dig in. Just go in and, and sit and ground yourself and, and feel it, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Which can be very hard. Yes, it's painful. <laughs> I call them growing days and I had many growing days and they're very uncomfortable, but I have to remind myself this is, they're there because they help me expand. They help me grow. The easy thing would be just to numb myself again, but I've done that all my life. And that's also why I wanted to write the book, say, okay, stop numbing yourself, start living your life. It, we only have one life and every day counts. But that doesn't mean that I'm fully 
recovered, I still have days where it's really difficult for me to get out of bed where I'm like, no, I just want to hide. But every day you have a choice. Every moment you have a choice. And I just turned 50 last year. I'm like, I don't want to, most of my life I've been hiding and I've been numbing myself. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to live. So that's why I'm on a mission to spread that and say, hey, let's, let's live our life. Yes. Yes. And you are on your way on that mission. It's amazing that you've written this book and been able to share that, that message with others. There's so much stigma around aging, especially for women. There's this idea that you peak where women peak, like in their thirties or something earlier. And then it's just like a decline. Yet if we see it as just as you're describing that you can be 50 and fantastic because you can reach a point where you say, do I want to finally look at what my body, my emotions are trying to tell me and allow them to be free and feel free myself. Because I'm no angry that when we're caught in addiction and ignoring our trauma, you're, you're kind of, you're not free. You're kind of bound to that pain, to that. It's like this constant ghost behind you that you're just trying to run from. So true. So true. I must say, turning 50, I have never felt better. It's, it's amazing. And that's also what I, I mean. Yes, I have hot flashes and perimenopause and so, but I'm trying to embrace that. It's like, yes, it's life. It's part of life. It's another transition. And I'm super excited. And it was funny because last year when I published the book, I just had had my knee surgery and it was really symbolic learning to walk again, right? It's like, okay, uh, I became a U.S. citizen. So there are many things that happened last year that was like, okay, this is an important year for me. But turning 50 was wonderful. And I am so excited about, okay, what's the future? I just started singing lessons again. I'm super excited. I just, I want to embrace life. I just want to live it again. And also to be a role model for my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, just because I'm 50, just because my oldest has already left the house and the youngest still home. I want to be a role model. I want to be somebody that's energetic. Yeah. Somebody to look up to and somebody that can inspire. Absolutely. And you inspire a lot of people by sharing your story and being who you are. And that's the other brilliant thing about getting older. When you're 50, that means you've lived 50 years on this planet. That's no easy feat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It is. Uh, it's funny because people they fifty. Oh my goodness, poor you. Said no, no, fifty is good. <laughs> it's like let's reframe fifty, right? It's like uh, fifth, what they say, fifty is the new thirty or something. It's true. <laughs> well, I think that people are become much more comfortable with themselves. Yeah. When you're younger, it's this brutal battle of trying to be what you think you're supposed to be and to be acceptable and to get what you think you need to get. And it's exhausting. And it's hard to feel really connected or able to fully accept yourself and to love yourself when you're like, oh, well, I'll like myself when I do this. Like once I look how I wanted to look and once I get the partner and all these different things and you feel like then maybe you'll like yourself. But I feel like as we get older, we we start to realize none of those things are going to change how I feel about myself. I have to decide how I feel about myself, except okay. myself, no matter what. Totally. I, we don't need a partner for us to be happy. 
we don't need everybody they think like oh if i lose 30 pounds or if i have my perfect partner then i'm happy why not decide to be happy now then you might attract the right partner or you it, it's just i think it's all backwards but i think it's also society and all these expectations right it's like well every day we have a choice if i can sit and wait or i can say what makes me happy let me try and not be scared of failing I mean, that's also one of the things by being a mom, I want to teach my kids or show them I'm not scared of failing. It's part of life. If you fail, it's okay. That wasn't the route. Let's try this. Let's try that instead. Don't never give up. There are so many things in this. Yeah. No hiding. Yeah. And I think, but it takes time to realize that, right? I think, and that, that's something we learn as we get older is that we don't have to hide who we are. We're actually really meant to be exactly what we are. I use the yep, analogy yep. a lot that we're humanity at a, as a whole, you can see it as like a giant mosaic and it needs every single unique piece and light of every single being that is, but we're all trying to hide our light because we think this isn't okay. Cause there's so many standards we're supposed to fit and so many ideas that we're supposed to align with. And so people are afraid. Yeah. And, and I, I think that that's why a lot of people turn to addiction because they feel like, well, I can't be who I am. I have to stifle myself and that's uncomfortable. So we want something to feel good. We want something to feel relief from that compromised state. And that's true. But I also think many times people, they wait, they sit and they wait for somebody or someone to come to rescue them or to make them happy. And I'm a big believer in if there's something you need, create it yourself. If there's something missing, don't sit and wait for, oh, when does this show up or the perfect job? Create it yourself. What is it that you want? You know, just jump in and, and just do it. Uh, take responsibility for your own life. Say, this is my life. What am I going to do? It's this pathway, but very much, and that's, that's again, we learn, oh, we go here and, and, and we expect other people to be a certain way or, and if they don't, we have focused so much on focus of things we don't control instead of keeping the focus on what we do control. And that is, how do I want to show up every day? How do I want to react to this? Yeah. And we get to make that choice. It can be mm -hmm. hard though when you get- Very, thing. very hard. I think it's, that's a choice you make. Say, you know what? Yes, it's hard, but I am choosing not to see it as hard. I'm choosing to see it as super exciting and another opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So another thing, Ingrid, that you speak of in your book is about, and that I, I find interesting and very common for people to experience is that having these delayed trauma releases, that we can be later in our lives and suddenly be dealing with things that we didn't even realize, we might not have realized they happened or we thought we were done with them. So why do you think that is? Why do you think that sometimes trauma take time to be released or to be addressed? That's a really good question, Whitney. I think you have to be ready. At some point uh, in Denmark, I worked with uh, a therapist that did hypnosis. And I asked him, I said, um, can you do something so that I can start remembering more? Because I know there's so much I don't remember. And he was like, uh, no, Ingrid, I'm not going to do that. What I can do instead 
is I can give you some hypnosis that will build up your self-esteem because I am scared if we start going in the past, you're not going to be ready. And so we worked on self-esteem and me feeling good about myself. And then one day he came to me and he's like, so Ingrid, now you're ready. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm feeling so good. I, I don't want to go there right now. I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> but no, thank you. And I don't know if I would have been ready there. I might have been. But in a way, I'm glad it happened when it did. And my body kind of showed me when I was ready to deal with it. Um, it's, it's a hard thing. I, I don't know. But it brings up the question because sometimes if there are things that you remember later on, what do you do with it? You can't go to people and say, hey, you did this or you did this. What do you do with it? So the healing can be different, but it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's sort of the nature of trauma is that it's a hard thing to sit with because you recognize that nobody else can make a go away. Yeah. Even if there was someone else that inflicted upon us harm or abuse, they might be gone. They might, or they might not be aware, or they might never be willing to say sorry. So we have to find it within ourselves. You know, I almost think of trauma sometimes as like a wounded animal. It's like this thing that just needs to be cared for. And it doesn't matter who hurt it. It just matters that we attend to it and we see it because trauma needs to be seen. When we, again, when we try to hide it and pretend like it didn't happen, like we said, the body will remind us, it will tell us there's something in here that's hurting and it's going to affect your whole being. And so when you just kind of hold it gently, I think that's when trauma begins to heal and I like how you describe it. That's beautiful. And, and you're right. It, it wants to be seen and heard. It's like the little child in you. I do a lot of inner child healing with my clients. And uh, it is this little child that wants to be seen and heard. And I loved you talk about that in your book, about how once you had addressed this and seen it, because even once we see our trauma and hold it, there's still going to be days where we feel that weight of... Mm -hmm you're sad inner child. And, and you said you had taught, you had, you developed sort of exercises or things you would do to hold yourself. You yeah. talk about like taking care of your kids and then taking time for yourself to just give yourself that same love and attention. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, <laughs> was an interesting time. So for every age, my kid, my kids had triggered stuff in me that I needed to deal with. And uh, so during the day, of course, I needed to be the mom and, and be there. But I also went through this trauma <laughs> myself. And so when, I, when they went to bed, I had to take care of little me. And so that I could, so I would take a big pillow. I would sit and, and hug myself, uh, pretending I would hug little me. And I would sit and just be there, giving myself the nurture, the love that... I needed and that I hadn't gotten and heal that age, that side of me in that age. And for many ages that happened depending on, yeah, what I had been through. So uh, it was an interesting time. It was a hard time because as with trauma, it, it comes like that. And, and sometimes I just had to be, I had to push it away. So I, I found ways to talk to the trauma when it came up. Let's say I sit and I have uh, I sit and play with my kids and I could feel it. I was like sitting and telling my trauma, like, okay, I'll 
I, I see you. I hear you. I'll take care of you tonight. And I would write it down and I would then later on, but I had to really make that conscious choice. Say, right now, I, I, I have to be a mom myself. And then I can be there for you afterwards. But it was, it was a hard time. <laughs> yeah. And but I think many parents, they, if they get conflicts with their kids, often they think it's the kids, but sometimes it is actually something that triggers from your own, from your own childhood or especially also teenage kids. Many times you get all these conflicts. But when you have that, as a parent, you also want to ask yourself, why does this annoy me so much? What's really going on? And mm -hmm. then go and ask yourself, because sometimes we can, we can tend to get very angry where the anger is not really about the kids, but it's something that we should deal with to become better parents. Yeah. And such a beautiful message and something to share because I think a lot of people aren't aware of that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think too often people don't have sort of the mindset to consider that, that maybe this isn't just frustration at my coworkers or my kids. Maybe it's something in me that I'm frustrated with. But I think it's helpful for people to know that because then it can offer some relief. It can offer something that they can do. Like, okay, well, maybe if I address this, it'll, if I shrink that, then this will be less, right? The outburst, the frustration. Because yeah. those are all symptoms, right? Those are all like, because sitting with that, those feelings about ourselves is uncomfortable. Yeah. It, just like when you are in a lot of pain physically, it's hard to be nice to people, right? It's hard to yeah. be patient and kind. And the same as when you're emotionally hurting, it's hard to have patience with children or others. It is. And, and many times it's uh, maybe you didn't learn to set boundaries. Maybe you didn't learn to what was modeled to you. Are you, are you suddenly behaving like uh, your own parents or whatever it is? The problem is if you don't deal with it, the frustration and the anger the, that's built up inside of you, that can then make you physically sick. Mm -hmm. So it's all connected and, and we just need, really need to start listening to that and, and, and asking ourselves the questions. Many times I see parents where they're like, yeah, but that was when I was a kid, that was say, yeah, but just because you experience that doesn't mean you have to be that kind of parent. So ask yourself, what, make a conscious choice. What kind of parent do I want to be? Yeah. One thing is what you learned, but what are you choosing? The other thing is getting to know your children. So my daughter, she was introvert and I grew up being very extrovert. But when I had her, I realized I have some introvert sides and I just never listened to them. It just wasn't anything we did in the family. So by listening to them and le I learned that through her and, and that felt so good and, and I finally became myself listening to my own boundaries, my own introvert side also. I love being around people, but I get drained so easily. So no wonder I get tired very easily. So I needed to address that and take care of that side of me. And learning those kind of things about yourself instead of, oh, disciplining, this is, this is, I am, I'm always right. Well, take it as an experience. Say, okay, what can I learn here? Mm -hmm. Instead of just being frustrated and is that the person I want to be? That's always an important question to ask because bringing, it brings it back to what you brought up earlier, Ingrid, which is we always have a choice. Mm -hmm. And I work with so many clients 
as I'm sure you do as well, that, that makes statements like, well, I don't like that I'm like this and I don't like that I do this. And I say, well, sometimes we have to experience who we're not to figure out who we are. Oh yeah. But people tend to think like, well, I did this, so I'm, it's bad and I'm, I'm bad. And it, no, every single moment we get a chance to choose differently. So what do you choose? You don't have to be like your parent. You don't have to be like you were yesterday. Exactly. A different way today. And you have a choice. Yes, you might figure out, oh, that's not who I am. So instead of beating yourself up or becoming self-destructive, be gentle with yourself. Give yourself that, give yourself permission to be gentle with yourself. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's very much like, oh, we have to be perfect. Well, no, there is no perfect. What if we just are us? What if, if you just, you allowed yourself to just be you, not like everybody else? And that's the other thing. I've never fitted the box, so, which made it, who am I? And, and my kids also, the school system is defined in one way, but if a kid is a bit, wants other things, it makes a bit, then they start thinking, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not like everybody else. So I think my biggest job as a mom was to show my kids it's okay not to be like everybody else. You can be exactly as you want to be. You're good enough because you are you. Yeah. There's so many people to say, oh, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Well, I, ca- I can't do this yet. I can learn it if I choose to, right? But I, have, I can be whoever I want to be. And that's what I should be. I should be authentic. I should be me, not like everybody else. Yeah, because again, when, when people are able to do that and be their authentic self, they... They, don't, they can stop looking around and saying, why aren't I like that person? Or why can't I be like this? But you can celebrate exactly who you are and yeah. like your own beautiful flavor and color and be like, this is great. Yeah. Grace it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also think it's interesting because I've never, I actually haven't heard anybody say that, that as a parent, that as your child reaches certain ages, that you might have your own stuff come up with those ages. And I think that that's, kind of cool for people to consider because again, every, people tend to think that like, it's their own, you know, that, oh, like, why is this coming out? People don't always make associations or connections with things, but that's, it makes sense that when you watch your child, maybe it was like at a point in your life where you had trauma or you had a really hard time to bring up those same, that same stuff. And again, I mean, trauma can be many things. It can be just if you are introvert and you have to stand up in the school in front of people. It can be many things. Somebody talking too hard to you can be a very sensitive kid. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just you have to get to know yourself. But as parents, it can be, why am I reacting that my son or daughter is not going on the swim team, whatever? Why is that important to me? Look back on your own past. Was I, did I have to do all these things? Why? What am I scared of if my kid is not doing that? What comes up? Why do we all have to go or the right college or whatever it is or college at all? There's so, there's so much pressure. And I do feel many parents are in living in it and they get very stressed. So I'm like, okay, we, it's not our life. It's our kid's life. Let them figure out what they want to do. And our job is to support that, whatever that looks like. It's not our job to make sure the kids do so and so and so. It's our job to allow them and support them in becoming who they want to be. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I had I had a client recently who noticed that they would get really, really intense and passionate about their child's sports. And she was like, I just get so invested in it, caught up in it. And so we kind of talked about like, well, what was it like for you growing up? And she had a lot of pressure to be perfect and to perform perfectly as an athlete. So yeah, I think that those things still are with us, even if we've aged 20, 30 years. And I think it is like, oh, that's if this is different, I just want the best for my child. But it's like, well, what does your child want? <laughs> exactly. And, and sometimes parents forget that. And then the other thing is for the kids, it might be really difficult to say, mom or dad, I don't want to do that. And that's where they start maybe just accepting this is what I have to do. And then they start self-sabotaging eating disorders. And so the mental health today is it's hard. It's, it's, it's a problem. But I, I do think, and I wrote that in the book also, I do think in our generation or my, my generation, many of us has grown up with some kind of trauma, but it's not healed. So we put that on our kids, some expectations. And so, so many kids today, they tend to numb themselves in, in, in ways because they're not really listened or heard to. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that the more that things begin to change and people are able to be more open to what might be going on within them that's affecting how they act with others, I think. Yeah. And we've come a long way, but I think there's more to go so that people, so there's not this repeating traumas. I think we talk a lot about trauma in kids, but I don't think we talk enough about what does trauma look like when you're an adult? What does childhood trauma look like when you're an adult? How does that show up? I don't think we talk enough about that because it's a hidden thing. And people deal with it in so many ways. But by talking about it, we could actually heal that and then become better parents or better people or just happier people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we don't talk about it because there's just this sort of message that once you're an adult, you're, you're get over it, right? You're an adult, do your thing. You have a lot to do. You got to go to work. You got to raise a family. You got to plan for your future. You got to plan for retirement. It's like, there's no encouragement to, there's not enough encouragement to find peace. And but maybe as a parent, I mean, today, when you have a kid, it's, it's nearly a project. Everything has to, I mean, when I think back on my childhood, when you sat in the back seat, you were not in a safety thing or anything. It was very different. Today, everything has to be so safe and overprotective. And so they don't get to actually just be kids and try out their own boundaries or try out different things. And I think if we as parents or adults could maybe have a little bit more focus on ourselves and the healing and then allow, instead of just focusing so much on this child has to be a perfect child or it has to so that I can go and tell my friends also, oh, this is now going so well here. What does it do? What a pressure to live under. And then Ingrid, I know in your work as a life coach that you help people, you focus on helping people to break cycles. Yeah. So, similar to the ones we've been speaking of, but how do you address that? Because that, that's a big topic I talk about on the show is that I think a lot of us feel so frustrated because we tend to do the same things. We're stuck in these patterns and these cycles that are causing us a lot of stress and dissatisfaction with ourselves and our lives. And people feel like, how can I ever, I'm just always going to be like this. I'm always going to struggle with this. 
How do you approach that with your clients? How do you guide them to a place of breaking free? So what I typically do is, first of all, the awareness of it. What is the pattern? But then also what I do with my clients is it's not just we meet once a week or every second week. Because I want to help them break the patterns, they know that when they are in a situation where they, first of all, are aware, oops, I go into my old pattern. I want to change it, but it's uncomfortable. They can call me. They can call me anytime. Uh, if I'm not there, then I will call back as soon as I can see they call me. And some of them have a special emoji if it's an emergency. Because you cannot, you cannot plan, you know, uh, oh, we'll have a meeting next Friday at three. And that's where you have a panic attack, right? You can't plan that. But mm -hmm. that's when they need the help. Or if they wake up with the, some of my clients have PTSD. And so if they wake up or can't sleep or they have nightmares. So I ask them to, to call me. And in the beginning, they're like, no, I can't do that. I say, yes, because what I do is help you help yourself. If they feel like binging and purging, if they feel like instead of doing that, or if they have the same kind of conflict with their spouse or whatever it is, or their child, call me explain to me what it is and I'll help you help yourself. And they'll do that a few times and then they know how to do it next time. So we have all, I have certain tools that they can do before they call me. And if that doesn't work, they can call me. But it's really, I'm helping them in the situation to help themselves change it. Yes. Yeah. And after they get started, how do you keep them going? Like, are there things they're doing on a daily basis? Are there things they can do to renew the process so that they don't fall back in? Yeah. So I always give them homework. I love giving them homework. So I check in with them. They, and again, it can be, it can, every journey is different. So it's hard to say, but some of the homework can be, uh, look yourself in the mirror and smile. It can be have dinner with the candlelight uh, on the table. It can be whatever it is, whatever they're working on, safe journal, self-care, things like that. Or as parents, I often give them this what would happen if you sit down on the sofa with a book instead of running around? And they're like, no, no, I can't, I can't do this. I say, yes, try that. I'm challenging you. Try that. And especially in front of your kids, because I want you to model to your kids, you're taking care of yourself. When you are tired, it's okay to sit down with a book. Then your kid will do the same. Your kid will spin around if you are spinning around. Mm -hmm. So I'm teaching them how to look at themselves the people who are not having kids yet, I sometimes ask them, okay, your homework could be, imagine you had a kid looking at you all the time. Would you still go out and binge? Would you still do so and so? So it's, it's more about figuring out again, looking at what is it really that I'm doing and then choosing. Is this good for me? Is it the person I want to be? Things like that. Super helpful. Thank you for that. I'm sure, yeah. sure a lot of people will appreciate that and resonate <laughs> with that idea. To sort of close, Ingrid, the focus of the show is to gain our confidence back, build that esteem, release those feelings of not being, having worth, not being good enough. What do you think, how does trauma help you to get there? How, how did you experience that once you released or addressed and moved through and sort of held and saw your trauma, how did you feel like you were more confident? Do you feel like you're able to step into a new place with yourself? 
I mean, we know you have because you said that 50 is fantastic, but just <laughs> telling us like, how did you feel that shift into being a more confident person? That's such a good question, Whitney. Uh, again, everybody is different. For me, yes. By looking at my past, by looking at what was the world I had created around me, is this how I want to show up? I got to redefine myself and change myself into becoming the person that I liked. I think for me, and that's also why the book is called Unmasked, I had to unmask me. I had to find me. And uh, that's why I needed to be very honest about what I had experienced. And there were many doubts. I mean, before the book was published, what would people think? And many, would they judge me? And so, but I had to be really honest with myself and comfortable and confident in showing this is the true me. And I think that's the confidence you get. It's like, I mean, still, I have days where I need to choose it. But you can't get more confident than when you're yourself. I think the confidence disappears when you try to be everybody else Mm -hmm. or somebody else or live up to something. But if you look at yourself and you choose, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is who I want to be. This is what I how I want to show up every day. And it comes from, I share that with my clients all the time, it comes from every morning you get up. What clothes am I wearing? What makeup am I? What am I, what energy am I coming out to the world with? That is a choice. And I think that's, so it's not so much, well, confidence, yes, but it's more about choosing who you want to be and enjoy that. And one day when it's not working, then you choose something different. I think just really being authentic, you and being true to you. I think that's the biggest confidence. So yeah, in a way, yeah, that's what I do. Well, you're amazing for doing the work that you did to get to that place. Oh, have this beautiful profits that now you can write a book and share it with the world and help people every day through your work. And as a friend, you're a beautiful friend as well. Oh, you too, Whitney. Well, Ingrid, this has been so much fun talking and exploring all of the the work that you do and the messages you have for those who would love to get your book and to learn more about you how can they find the book how can they find you so my book is on amazon it's in Barnes and nobles it's all different places <laughs> so i go to yeah you can my name is ingrid christine ethel peterson i'm sure whitney will write it. it's a bit difficult to <laughs> but yeah so it's all there and otherwise and uh, my website, abelpetersoncoaching.com. They can go there, contact me anytime. Um, yeah, just reach out. I'll be very happy. Fantastic. All right, Ingrid. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guest. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Don't forget to let your light shine and to keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.